Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome into another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. we got a great show for you guys today. We're going to focus in on team building. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited about today's show. This was, this was fun to prep for. Yeah, fun to prep for, a good idea for sure. Kind of a reverse, uh, building a team backwards is what we're going to do. Matt, how's it going, bud? It's going really well, Dan. I had fun doing this exercise as well, so I am excited to do this show with you guys. Yeah, it is uh, it is going to be fun. So to explain what's up on this week's episode of the podcast, like I said, we're building rosters backwards. We're, we're basing this on the most recent DLF single quarterback ADP. We're going to go position by position. We all, we all filtered through all this ADP, eyeballed everything, and then hand chose every single player, one player from each round. Uh, so we had a few rules. We, we couldn't take two players from the same round of ADP. Uh, we have to fill 15 roster spots. There are 10 starters in this assumed league. One quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, three flex players, and uh, five bench spots as well. So we're assuming single quarterback. We're assuming PPR, and there are no premiums in this league. Uh, we thought... Guys, we'll just go position by position, start at quarterback, probably go to the other one position, that's tight end, of course, and then roll through running backs and wide receivers. Ryan, we we, we were kind of thinking of interesting ways to present a team-building exercise, and this is what the three of us came up with. And after doing this, it really feels like an exercise that every dynasty owner should do before a startup draft, right? Yeah, I think so. And it's funny, it kind of it started off as maybe a, a novel feel or just just kind of a, a fun show to do. But as I was going through it and preparing, I really saw a lot of benefit from it. And honestly, it it almost felt like I'm not a huge DFS player, but it almost felt like building those daily fantasy teams because you th- there's just so many options. So of course, when you're when you're building that DFS lineup, you know all the prices. You're just trying to to put the puzzle together as best you can, and basing this on ADP. And we know it's not always how it works out. the The player you target in the third doesn't always fall to the third uh, the third round. But uh, for for this exercise, that's that's what we're going to assume. And it really did feel like building a DFS lineup. 
It did indeed. So I expect you guys to Venmo the $20 right <laughs> over for, for this league that we're running. It's a daily league. We'll see who scores more points tonight. Matt, uh, your thoughts on, on the overall overall how it went for you building the team. For me, it was it was a lot of fun to build the team and it felt like... Like, oh, I don't want to invest in the quarterback that early. So I'm kind of Xing off all those players before round seven or eight. And, you know, I'm wondering for you, how many times, Matt, did you tear it apart and start once again, uh, kind of rebuild it? Oh, so so many times. I've never I've, I've never gone into a draft this way, and I, I probably will the next time just because it was so much fun. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, a, a real draft isn't going to reflect ADP that we collect, uh, you know, 100%, but I think it'll give you a good idea of what players are available when. Um, and I definitely tore it down several times. I was like, I grabbed the quarterback that I wanted, but then there was a receiver that I wanted that round. And, uh, you know, for, did that pretty much all for, for running back and wide receiver. Like, I don't even know how many times, at least 20 times, I'm sure, um, before I got I settled on something. And honestly, if I looked at it again uh, before the show or, or right now, even I I probably would make another change or two. So uh, a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, so let's get into it since we've all established that it was a fun exercise and we recommend it to all of our listeners that they do the same thing before they do any startup uh, startup draft. Let's let's kick it off at the quarterback position. And, and Matt, you were the guy that invested in the position the earliest. Tell me about your selection there. Yeah, honestly, I went. I wanted my, my first on my first pass through. I think I took Dak Prescott. No, no, I, I lied. I took uh, uh, Deshaun Watson. I think in the sixth round uh, because I do think that there's those top two tiers. You have you know Mahomes and Jackson up top, of course, um, and then the next three guys for me are Murray. Uh, uh, Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson and I just wanted I, I saw that the, the, the I think that those five are kind of like the real dis- difference makers at the position that both both from you know uh, a youth standpoint and the production standpoint so I kind of wanted to throw one of those guys in there um, but uh, the, the more and more I've started building the team, it just just really didn't work out. I mean, I should have known better. We we all draft quarterbacks late and in, in uh, uh, one quarterback leagues, and I tried to force one in there, but it just didn't work with the way I wanted to build my roster. Um, but I settled on Baker Mayfield in the ninth round, um, and you know, kind of a bounce back candidate. I like what you guys did. I won't reveal that yet. A little bit later, but I just don't trust. He was actually someone I considered on my first pass as well, but I, I feel like I. And it may be completely unfounded. I feel like I trust Baker just a little bit more uh, than the, the guy that you guys chose a, a little bit later. Um, you know, the offense came in. We came into the offense uh, in, in 2019 offseason just so excited about it, adding OBJ and all that. And just didn't really, really take, you know. And, and, and honestly, it probably could never have lived up to the expe- expectations that we had of it. Um, so I'm looking at Baker as a bounce back. He's going into a pretty quarterback-friendly system, I think, with, with Stefanski coming over. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited about him. So to be able to get somebody who was, you know, the number one, uh, number one overall pick just a few years ago, you know, once that OBJ tra- trade happened, uh, and a lot of us moved him up into the top five in 2019 offseason. So um, I think he's a bit of a value right now, uh, just right before we get to those double digit rounds. Yeah, that's a nice selection. I like what you did as well, going with the youth as your first quarterback and then saving that second quarterback till later. We'll get to that in just a moment. Ryan, you and I went with the same guy. We went with Daniel Jones 
in the 12th round. And, and that was my thinking exactly. I wanted the youth with my first quarterback selection. I certainly didn't want to dip into the position too early. And then my plan was to wait a little while and, and get my second quarterback, a more veteran, heady guy that, that I could depend on in case things don't work out with Jones. I imagine you thought the same thing, waiting until round 12 to take Daniel Jones. Yeah, uh, I was just looking for the youth, as you guys mentioned. I was looking for upside, which I think Daniel Jones has, and just comparing him to some of the other players that might fit in that same tier. Uh, for the most part, they were all much higher. Josh Allen, I think, is in that tier. He was a ninth rounder. Baker Mayfield in the ninth. That match shows the two rookies, Burrow and, and Tua, in the tenth round. So I, I felt like Daniel Jones, in my rankings, he's in the same tier as those players, so he offered a little bit of a discount. And again, it, it's the same connection to building those DFS lineups. Like, of course, we would all like to have Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, but you, uh, whether you're limited by budget in DFS or by uh, ADP and and actual draft picks in this uh, exercise, you've got to you've got to go with later positions. At some point, and for me, that the quarterback was the main spot. Yeah, to do the that. quarterback just screams value in these single quarterback leagues, and we all waited till at least the ninth round to select our first signal caller. Ryan, you were the first to take a backup quarterback. You waited a few rounds until round fifteen, where you got Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, again, just wanted a younger guy. I think Garoppolo in that offense has um, has a ton of upside, and honestly, I think. It'll be a little bit of a of a streaming situation for me uh, with with those two options uh, from week to week, choosing between Daniel Jones and Garoppolo, and and I would be fine with that. I think both of those guys, due to their age, due to their um, the, the investment their teams has ma- has made in them, either through the draft or uh, through trade and free agency or trade and and contract extension. In Garoppolo's case, uh, both of those guys have tons of. I don't know, leeway, I guess, that, that they're certainly going to be the starters for the next few years for their yeah. teams. Uh, Matt, you jumped back into the quarterback position, waited even longer than Ryan, wait until round 17. Yeah, I went with I went super late. I went 17th round, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if he's necessarily moving up my rankings, so to speak, but I am very excited about Carolina. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint in 2020. Uh, obviously, Joe Brady coming over. We saw what he did with Burrow, and I know those are different quarterbacks. But, I mean, Teddy, just look at the weapons with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, of course, McCaffrey. I just, I, I think that between that coaching staff and the weapons around him, I really like like what he's going to be able to do this season. Uh, and the defense is bad. They spent every single draft pick in the 2020 NFL draft on defense. So, uh, you know, they obviously got a lot of talented young players there, but I think it's going to take some time to get together so that combination of kind of bad fantasy defense and the weapons around Teddy uh, we, we saw what he did with the Saints last year with a creative play caller and and Sean McVay uh, and with with less weapons to be honest with you Michael Thomas and Kamara and you know not a whole lot else after that so I'm pretty excited to see what Teddy does there and as a backup in a two quarterback league that just seems like uh, you know, you know, not that not that the quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues ever jump a ton in value but if there's going to be one to do it that late I think it could be Bridgewater See, I, I even waited longer than you did, Matt. I, I waited till round 19 and took Ben Roethlisberger. I feel like Big Ben is that bounce-back candidate 
this year has the weapons in place, the offense certainly in place to to have another big season in 2020. The injury concern is there, obviously, but when you wait that long to get somebody as established as Big Ben with the weapons that he has and the offense that he's in, it feels like a no-brainer, especially when you go young with your quarterback. One, Ryan, you mentioned you'll probably be flip-flopping between Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd probably be doing the same thing and wouldn't be surprised if I chose Ben Roethlisberger more often than Daniel Jones. It feels like he's a safe pick. Uh, injury aside, of course, and to wait until round 19 to get a guy with with that with that kind of pedigree and that kind of um, upside, at least in the short term, felt pretty good. So my my two quarterbacks are Daniel Jones and Ben Roethlisberger. None of the three of us chose a third quarterback. So with that, let's move on to the tight end position. And and I was actually the first. Uh, owner to jump into the tight end pool. I took Noah Fant in the seventh round. It felt like I I always want to get one of those young upside up and coming type tight ends. And and there's a group of them, of course. There's Dallas Goddard and and uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Darren Waller probably fits into that group as well. If you really want to get aggressive with a young tight end, you can go as high as Mark Andrews. But it feels to me that Fant. Uh, because he's so athletic and because he has such a great upside, felt like the right time to dip into the position. In round seven, for me, I I really I like a lot of players, a lot of tight ends a little bit later, but it feels to me that I, I would rather usually try to get two of those top like 14 or 15 tight ends. And in order to do that and have the the high end upside that that Noah Fan offers, you have to dip into the position a little earlier than you than than maybe you guys did. Ryan, you waited a couple of more rounds before you grabbed your first tight end. I did, and uh, one thing I really liked about this uh, this exercise overall was you're really able to kind of lock in that strategy, whatever your your general team building strategy is when you do this, it's kind of best case, right? Like that's, that's what you would want your startup draft to look like. And um, generally I I do go with a a youth heavy approach. uh, And I did that at the tight end position as well. I went with Dallas Goddard in the ninth round as my first tight end. I like that pick Ryan. I certainly considered him Uh, Matt. You waited even longer, waited all the way until round 13 to grab your tight end one. Yeah, I went pretty risky at this position. I went with Gronkowski in the 13th round. Uh, I, I don't know what Gronk is going to do, uh, but if there's a, a tight end, you can find that late that has double-digit t- touchdown upside. I, I think it could be Gronk. Um, and we and I followed that up with it with a young guy. You we, we you talked about how you like to have some up and coming guys. I followed that up with with that upside guy as my backup tight end. Because honestly, in in, in in a lot of startup leagues and one quarterback leagues, I startups for those. I'm I'm not even taking a second tight end in a lot of cases. Uh, maybe I'm I'm backfilling at the very end of my draft, and that's. It didn't didn't wait quite as long until the very end for for this particular backup, uh, but you know I, I I like having that the guy that I think has the upside at at the top with a late pick in the thirteenth round and then the upside for a future starter um, later if I'm going to take two. Yeah, for this exercise we we had to take a second quarterback. We had to take a second tight end as well. Matt, you waited the longest on your second tight end and got some value with that young young tight end in the fifteenth round. 
Yeah, I took Jay Sternberger, uh, called a homer pick if you want. I don't know. I don't really know if he's going to be uh, super productive in the Packers offense. They haven't really used the tight end that way, um, you know, prior to to LaFleur coming to town. Um, But he is the starter there, I think. Uh, Drafted DeGuara, I don't think he's a threat to him. I don't think Mercedes Lewis is a threat to him. I don't think uh, Robert Tanyan is a threat to him. So uh, I'm pretty excited for what Jay Sternberger could do uh, since they didn't you know, they didn't add any wide receivers either, unless we're really excited about Devin Funches, and I'm not. So um, it seems like he could be the second target in that passing offense if he lives up to expectations. Lazard is there. He's probably the, you know, the uh, the front runner for the number two target getter in that offense. Um, but I think Sternberger has a chance to be that. Yeah, and a nice upside play, especially that late in the draft when you have to take a second tight end. Uh, he was he was one of your last picks, of course. Ryan, you uh, you picked an upside tight end as your second guy as well. Yeah, and uh, I guess ideally in a startup draft, my quarterbacks and my tight ends are going to look pretty similar as far as um, kind of their career standing. I want young guys. I want high upside players. Uh, and I want to to really be able to stream them or to make that choice each week, as I said, with Jones and Garoppolo at the quarterback position. So along with Goddard, I got Irv Smith in, in the 11th round. Uh, and, and I think both of those guys, you know, within the next couple of years uh, would be every week starters. I mentioned that I like to have two of those top 13 or 14 type tight ends, guys that you you feel like you can stick into your lineup, as you were mentioning there Ryan, I went with Tyler Higby in round nine. So so I stacked my tight ends in the mid-rounds, round seven with Noah Fant, Higby in round nine. And a lot of what you just said, Ryan, is the reason I, I added Higby in the ninth round. It, it felt like a safer play, a guy in a good offense once again. Uh, younger type of player, 27 years old, just had the breakout. I'm personally a believer in Higby and feel like he's going to continue on that path that he set forth for himself late in the 2019 season. I like the value that he presents. He's currently, uh, as far as ADP goes, uh, on DLF. He's currently the tight end number 11, uh, right between Dallas Goddard and Mike Gusecki. I like Tyler Higby in round nine, so I made him my tight end too. Let's circle back to the running back position, fellas, because this is this is probably the most interesting position. Most dynasty owners right now are investing in the position early and often. Matt, I know you have a personal favorite that's at the top of everybody's wish list when it comes to dynasty startups, and you couldn't couldn't hold back. You had to jump right into CMC. I mean, if you're going to give me the whole round to pick a player in, in the first <laughs> round, I'm going to, I'm going to pick McCaffrey. Uh, I've talked about this before, but just such a high upside with the target volume. And I know we have a new offense coming in. He may not be used quite as much, but I've often talked about how, you know, his, his, his floor is just so high too, I think. So he's a player that's going to be around for a long time. I, I know that he's had probably his peak season. If he, if he does better than his 2019 season, then, uh, consider himself another league winner, right? Um, probably not going to be reach reach those kinds of heights, but I think even if he does start to tail off in terms of uh, his production on the ground, that he's always going to be a producer on the receiver. So as, as a receiver, so I think he offers a little bit more safety uh, than some of these. I, it's weird to call these guys older backs here at the top because they've been in the league for a few years, but that's kind of where we're going with running back right now, three or four years, and they're out. And I think McCaffrey uh, is is somebody who is going to buck that trend. Yeah, I think so as well. So, Ryan, Matt jumped right into the running back position, took the number one player on the board. You waited a little longer. 
Yeah, I, I really held out and uh, and took Saquon Barkley, the uh, the consensus one o two, and and of course no issues with with McCaffrey at all. But uh, Barkley being just a little bit younger, having a little less uh, wear and tear on the tires, um, and, and again he kind of fits my team build of of focusing on youth. So Barkley in the first round was my first running back. I was doing the same type of thing. I'm trying to get you get young players, guys I want to build around for the long term. I didn't go with CMC or Barkley. Didn't even do the Zeke thing as the trend would would kind of uh would kind of show everybody. I I waited all the way till number 12 and and took a player that a lot of dynasty owners probably think, "Really? He's he's a top 12 player. He's a first round guy." <laughs> I took Eagles running back Miles Sanders just because he's a guy I really like on my team, especially uh, when you can get him in the second round. Our ADP suggests he's a first-round pick. Right now, I like him as a pass catcher. I like him uh, like him between the tackles as well. I think we just got a taste of what Miles Sanders can do, his upside in that offense, especially if they get other playmakers around him. It seems like outside a tight end. They haven't been able to do it there in Philadelphia, but they've added some new pieces, a lot more speed on the outside, on the perimeter, and hopefully that opens up some running lanes for Miles Sanders. They commit to him in that running game, and he continues to do what he does as a pass catcher and has shown that he can do as a pass catcher. I think he's he's in for a big season in 2020 is going to be moving up draft boards, uh, even despite those dynasty owners that don't think he belongs in round one. I would like to say we all dipped right back into the running back position, but that wasn't the case. Ryan, you you continued the, uh, or excuse me, Matt, you continued the youth trend at running back and, and dipped back into the position in round two as well. Yeah, I went with, big surprise, another pass-catching running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, lands in, you know, again, the best, probably the best possible spot a rookie running back could have landed in. Um, Going to catch a lot of passes, I feel like, so offers, again, that combination of floor and upside. And uh, it feels like it's, you know, 1999 all over again, drafting running backs early and often, but that's kind of the way I've been going this offseason. It just feels like these guys early are offer the, you know, as, as close to a sure thing as you can get. And then the, the later you get into the draft, it feels like a, a lot of question marks. So I wanted to get my two guys right away. Um, so Clyde Edwards here in the second round, uh, I think I'm happy to do that in a startup at this point. Ryan, you went back to the running back position in round two as well. Yeah. And I also opted for a rookie. I, I figured since I went with uh, Saquon Barkley, which of course would be an early first rounder, I tried to wait. Uh, and, and grab a later second round. I knew this was coming. Dobbins. I knew that was coming, Ryan. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I mean, if you want to be greedy, it's, it's listen. Okay. I traded up from I traded up from uh, two twelve to two hundred one. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> good, good, good for you. That was um, a nice trade. You didn't give up anything either, Matt. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I would select there J.K. Dobbins. I mean, we talked about him a ton already, but just certainly think he's. Uh, he's the future in Baltimore, and I don't even think we're going to have to wait very long uh, to, to see him take over that backfield. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if we're looking at Dobbins as a uh, as a first-round startup pick next year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I really wanted J.K. Dobbins on this roster, considering my my roster makeup. Uh, couldn't really, didn't really want to sneak him in 
chose Jonathan Taylor instead, another rookie running back. So my second round pick, I guess all three of us took second round rookies, uh, running backs with upside, Taylor in Indianapolis. There's a clear path to to a big workload relatively early. He's going to have some competition as a rookie, but beyond 2020, it feels like that's going to be Jonathan Taylor's backfield. He's a workhorse type back. He can do really everything in that backfield. And I think uh, he's he has the potential, just like Dobbins, to be a first-round startup pick a year from now. So we all went with youth at running back in round two. Uh, we we really all went running back in rounds one and two. I, I went right back to the position again in round three. So after taking Miles Sanders in round one and Jonathan Taylor in round two, I took another rookie running back, Cam Akers, in round three. Matt, you mentioned when talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire that you you want to build around these running backs these guys with youth at the position and the only time to do that really is in the early rounds I I took really took it to the extreme I went I went Sanders Taylor and Akers they all have that uh the youth they all have the upside they're all the the guy in their backfield or or at least assumed to be and and certainly have a clear path to being a workhorse type tailback in their offense within a year or or a, a little over a year uh, so I started my draft with Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers. Matt, you you waited a little bit for that third running back. What'd you do after grabbing CMC and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I went with Kareem Hunt in the sixth round, and I uh, I'm another player that I've been adding a lot this offseason. I just I think he offers so many avenues to fantasy relevance. Uh, you know, we saw what he did with Hunt on the field late last season, uh, and he was very productive. In fact, you know, if we're talking about just strict, strictly fantasy points, you know, not not far off from what Chubb did uh, over those last eight games when Hunt was available. Um, so I think he's going to have that same role again. And then if Chubb gets hurt, he's going to be a running back one. Uh, if he goes somewhere else next year, he's going to be a running back one. So uh, in the sixth round, seventh round, I, I've seen him even drop into the eighth round occasionally in startups. Uh, I, I really like the upside that Hunt gives us. You know, still young, 24 years old. Uh, I think he's got a lot of tread left on the tires, and that you know, if you can get him that late as your running back three, like that seems like screaming value to me. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but you're done at the running back position then with three in the first 15 rounds. Nope, I got I got one more. Oh, you have one more. Yeah, one more in the 11th round. Yeah. All right, uh, Ryan, talk to me. Talk to me about your third running back. Uh, relatively young guy, but you waited till round eight to get get a guy with a little bit of immediate upside. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if I can if we can use that word upside <laughs> with this guy. But uh, after the after the two running backs, Barkley and Dobbins, to to start my draft, theoretically, I I focused on the wide receiver position as I, uh, as I would do in an actual startup and, and took a ton of those. We'll get to those soon. Uh, and then the eighth round came and, and I just kind of had that feeling like we, like we do in drafts of, I've got to, I've got to add another guy. I've got to add another running back. And the eighth round options were carry on Johnson or Sony Michelle. So I went with Sony Michelle, um, do Everything looks like, of course, there's, I guess, recent news about his foot surgery, but everything looks like it's going to be status quo from last year, uh, despite the departure of Tom Brady, that that Michelle will be the lead back there. And um, yeah, I mean, still young. There's there's a lot we liked about him 
uh, entering the league. And, and I just wonder if uh, this, this new offense will, will really be built around him rather than around Tom Brady as it has been for years. Yeah. Maybe built that offense might be built around the defense, play good defense, play good defense, run the ball, control the clock, and that, if that happens, if that defense is good, you might see a lot of Sony Michelle. So I don't mind that pick one bit. Let's let's fill out the rest of our running backs, fellas. Ryan, you might as well kick it off. You you dip back in a few rounds later. Yeah, a couple rounds later, easy pick for me. Al, uh, Alexander Madison in the tenth round, a player I've been adding and, and trading for, drafting in as many leagues as possible this off season. He's gotten a value bump over the last week with the Dalvin Cook holdout news. Uh, so now would, I would actually consider selling him now, depending on what you can get for him. But if he's there in the 10th, pretty easy pick to make. And then I, I went the homer route, round 14, Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, Raiders rookie running back slash wide receiver slash we'll see how they use him. Yeah, just in case anybody's new to the show, Ryan's not a Raiders fan. Of course, he's no, a Kentucky no. Wildcat yeah. fan. Uh, so that's why he took Bowden. A nice pick. I certainly uh, thought about adding Bowden myself. Matt, tell me about the last running back that you took. In the 11th round, I took Antonio Gibson. Just a completely pure upside pick. We have really no idea what he's going to do with Washington. Uh, but uh, I've been adding him in rookie drafts, and I want to add him in startups. So at the 11th round, I'm willing to take that take that risk on, on our small sample size from college and, and see what happens. I did the same thing. After taking Sanders, Taylor, and Akers, I, I went back to the running back position in round 11 as well. I took Gibson for the same reasons you mentioned. I took one more running back after that as well. I took Damian Harris, Patriots' second-year running back. Didn't get to see a lot of him in his first season in New England, but he he was a guy with a little bit of upside when he was drafted. I, I really feel like if if he gets the trust of that that coaching staff, if he can mix in a little bit, there's the potential for him to to get a piece of that offense. And like I mentioned when we talked about Sony Michelle, it seems like most likely that offense is going to be run heavy. Even with a sliver of that offense, Harris has a little bit of upside. In round 14, it doesn't feel too bad. So I have Sanders, Taylor, Akers in rounds 1, 2, and 3. Also added Antonio Gibson and Damian Harris in rounds 11 and 14. Matt, you took CMC in round 1. Apparently you had the first pick in the first two rounds. You took (laughs) Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in round 2 as well. Also added Kareem Hunt and then uh, Gibson in round 11. And then, Ryan, you uh, you had an early pick in round one as well, uh, Saquon Barkley. Then you waited until late in round two to take J.K. Dobbins, added Sony Michelle, Alexander Madison, and uh, Lynn Bowden as well in round 14. So with that in place, we, we have some big decisions to make at wide receiver. You two each took running backs in round one and two, then finally got to the wide receiver position in round three. Ryan, tell me about your selection there. Well, I've always loved to build my teams around wide receivers, and I really like uh, the recent trend that you guys have both mentioned already that uh, running backs are really the picks that are dominating the first couple rounds. That, that works perfectly for me. I can get a couple there and then switch my attention to wide receiver, which is what I did. I took five straight wide receivers from round three to round seven. The first one in the third round I took, of course, was Amari Cooper, uh, one of my guys. Um, 
and you look at Cooper and uh, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans are also third rounders. Juju Smith-Schuster is a late second rounder. Julio Jones is a third rounder. All of these guys uh, basically a year ago were first round startup picks. And now they're all sitting there late second, early third round. So it, it makes it really easy to wait on the wide receiver position. Yeah, it does indeed. Matt, you dipped into the wide receiver position as well. Had another, seems like another pretty high pick in round three after doing those two running backs. What did you do in round three? Well, like I, like I said, I traded up from 212 to 201 for, for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and that left me with 301. I kept that pick so I could take DJ Moore uh, as my wide receiver one in the third round. Uh, like Ryan followed up that, that up with Metcalf. Uh, in the fourth round and uh, continued youth at wide receiver in the fifth round with, with Debo Samuels there. So uh, I, I really think that rounds three to six or so this year are, are wide receiver rounds. I mean, considering DJ Moore has a second round ADP, I think that was a great pick. Yeah, you know, did I mess that up? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt traded up again. <laughs> hey, well, in the DLF Champions League, I had three first round picks and a second round pick. So, you know, it, oh, it, wow. it's, it's, uh, it, it can happen. Okay, so, so for the it. record, for the record, Matt, the third round wide receivers, Beckham, Evans, Cooper, Galladay, Julio, Allen Robinson. You can't have DJ Moore. You can pick one of I'll, those. I'll guys. take Cooper then. I'll take Cooper along with you. How about that? Anything for Amari. That? Anything for Amari. <laughs> Team McDowell here. I waited till round four to get my first wide receiver, and, and he's my wide receiver one all over the place. It's Calvin Ridley. Uh, happy to get him in round four after after going running back heavy in the first three rounds. Matt, you mentioned that rounds three, four, five. I, I think that maybe that extends even a little farther, as Ryan was alluding to with his run on wide receivers. There's so many quality wide receivers. Uh, that's why I did the running back thing in the first three rounds and started investing in the wide receivers after that. Ridley feels like he, he's still ascending. He's relatively young still. Uh, and in an offense where he's not the number one guy, he's not going to pull that top cornerback, uh, not going to get double coverage for sure. He's just going to continue to pick up the slack uh, whenever Julio Jones gets all that defensive attention. He's going to have a big season in 2020, a wide receiver one type season to get him in round four feels pretty good. I also went with Debo Samuel in round five, just like you did, Matt. He is my wide receiver too. I need to hear a little bit about what Ryan did though. After taking Cooper in round three, you continued this run of wide receivers. Tell me about the rest of your string of wideouts in rounds four through seven, I believe. Yeah. Again, just like really the rest of my team, I wanted, uh, I wanted young players at the receiver position uh, not necessarily with a, a productive struggle or a, a, you know, a tanking season in mind, but young players that I could start immediately that would also gain value uh, in the coming year, coming couple of years. And I think I got that with all of these guys. DK Metcalf in the fourth round, just like Matt. Uh, Terry McLaurin in the fifth round feels like a steal. I think, his, uh, I think he's actually probably coming off the board earlier than that. Um, Sixth round, I went even younger with a rookie, uh, Jalen Rager, and then Deontay Johnson, another kind of hot name in the in the dynasty space right now in round seven. Yeah, so you're loading up on those young wide receivers in those mid rounds before grabbing those tight ends that you talked about 
earlier. It feels, Ryan, like you're you're building a team like you regularly would uh, out of a startup. Maybe, maybe a lot of youth, maybe not a lot of production from every single guy that you select. But in years two, three, and four, you feel like you're probably going to be pretty competitive. Yeah, it's it's just one of the um, one of the tenants, I guess, of that productive struggle strategy that I I wrote about years ago. And and really, I just I want to choose players who are going to gain value. I don't want those declining assets. Uh, willing, you know, depending on on the team and the situation, willing to adjust that in the later rounds. Uh, you know, if I think I really have built a team that could win, you know, I certainly wouldn't call Sony Michelle a, a, a rising asset at this point an ascending asset. He's one that's, that's probably already trending downward, but with the team I had built, the two young running backs in Barkley and Dobbins were, we're not sure obviously if Dobbins is going to be startable, especially early in the earlier in the year, uh, so grabbing Sony in the eighth round kind of filled in that RB2 spot until Dobbins is ready. Yeah, I like I like what you did there. It seems like a Ryan McDowell type of team pretty much filled out your your entire starting, excuse me, entire starting lineup. Matt, what else did you do at the wide receiver position? You mentioned that you went DJ Moore in round three, DK Metcalf in round four, and then Debo Samuel in round five. Seems pretty solid, even though Moore doesn't go in round three. Uh, after that, you continued to sprinkle in talented wide receivers, though. Yeah, I think what happened was I went back to, to Clyde Edwards Hilaire and left DJ Moore in there or something and just wrote a three by it. Anyway, I, I apologize for that. Uh <laughs> why didn't uh why didn't you just take DeAndre Hopkins in the third round? <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. Um I like it. Yeah, so I, I took those three as my starters, uh starter, and then uh, I went I went uh youth a little bit more Back to the youth in the eighth, in the seventh and eighth round, I took Michael Pittman. Excited what he's going to do in Indianapolis across from T.Y. Hilton, uh, and then in the eighth round, I took Michael Hardman. You know how many uh, how many Chiefs can I cram into a starting lineup uh, to a to a startup draft, right? So uh, excited to see what he's going to do. Who knows what's happening with Sammy Watkins? I think there is a world where Watkins' usage is not what. I don't know who thinks he's still necessarily the wide receiver too there, but I think there's a lot of room for Hardman to nobody. kind of break out. Yeah, nobody, right? He's got the thing that I've been thinking about lately. He's got that incentive laden contract, right? What if what if the the Chiefs just don't want him to hit those incentives, and then and then Michael Hardman is is the guy. So well, he'll try he'll try in round in in week one, <laughs> right? He'll, he catches I, three touchdowns. My guess is they they probably didn't put a week one two hundred yards and two touchdowns clause <laughs> in his his contract, but um, so Hardman and and Pittman there and then in the 10th round I, I I went I went old uh usually I don't necessarily grab the older receivers but I really like Marvin Jones uh you know I think even in the early part of last season and certainly uh in the later half of of 2018 he was you know doing what Galladay was doing if not producing more than Galladay in certain situations and that you know that that target share is funneled to those top two wide receivers though so Marvin Jones is 30 years old but in the 10th round uh as a guy that can fill in as a starter uh if one of these younger guys I took, you know, doesn't quite work out early on in the season or, you know, bye weeks injuries, whatever. I like uh, uh, Marvin in there as a, as a flex option and a potential way to start and slot into those uh, first three wide receiver spots. Uh, and then in the 16th round, I went back to the youth and took Devin Duvernay, somebody I, I've loved all off season and think he has the kind of the perfect fit there in Baltimore. Um, and to get him that late in a startup draft seeing, seems like easy money to me. 
Yeah, Marvin Jones may be an insurance policy to get into that flex spot throughout the season, year one and year two of this startup. You're you're going to use Marvin Jones and and watch as Pittman and Duvernay and the others kind of kind of work their way up in their respective offenses. I did a little bit of the same thing, Matt. After taking Ridley Samuel, I and Samuel in rounds four and five, I went to Marquise Brown in round six. I think it's a shame that he's a sixth round startup pick. Uh, should be much higher. That upside in that explosive offense, big big games, weak winning type games in round six feels like a steal. Same thing for Nicole Hardman in round eight. He's my favorite pick of my draft. Uh, another guy that's a steal for all the reasons that you guys mentioned. I took Preston Williams in round 10, another young guy with some upside. And then in round 13, I took Emmanuel Sanders, a lot like what you did with Marvin Jones, Matt. I took Emmanuel Sanders as a guy I can plug in this week, uh, week one in round in year 2020 to, to put up some points as I wait for some of this youth to, to kind of work their way up their depth chart and become part of their offenses. Ryan, we got to circle back to you one more time because you t- you went on that wide receiver run that you talked about. Cooper, DK Metcalf, McLaurin in round five, then Rager and Deontay Johnson in round seven. You weren't done at wide receiver. You still w- had one more uh, a bench position to fill out. Yeah, I added one more receiver in the 13th round, a, a player who's you know hugely underrated right now, uh, James Washington, which uh, with with my team build, I think he he works perfectly to roster both he and Deontay Johnson and kind of see how that works out. And if the the rumors that my guy Juju will will not be in Pittsburgh after the 2020 season are uh, are true, then having basically the top two guys in that offense, uh, I think, would be a good thing. It certainly makes sense, guys. We we did this 15 round mock really where we where we handpicked one player out of every round, and, and we got a lot out of it. But I got to know, Matt, you first. If this draft continues, considering what you did in the first 15 rounds, and I know you you kind of went outside the lines and took a 16th and a 17th rounder and passed <laughs> in round 14 and 15. If this thing continues, you, what kind of players are you adding to this this team? Recap your team, how you built it, and what you would continue to do. Yeah, I think it's a pretty standard build for me. I I want youth at running back and wide receiver and I want I don't really care about age at at, at quarterback or or tight end. I did end up end up with a young quarterback in this one, but an old old tight end and Gronk obviously. Um if I was to continue on, I would just keep stacking on youth. For me, I, unless there's a it gets to a point where I, I think that I don't have enough uh, players that can produce right away with with all the youth. Uh, maybe I'll grab a veteran here, uh, you know, towards the end of the draft. You know, um, I, like at tight end, I'm thinking somebody like Jack Doyle for some reason. Uh, you know, a, a quarterback you could go down to like a Drew Brees or something super late, uh, like in the 18th, 19th round, I think is somewhere where he's going. Um, so uh, these guys at, at the end, though, for the most part, I'm just grabbing upside guys that I can make a decision on early. If they don't hit in the first, you know, three or four weeks, then I, I have an easy cut for whatever waiver wire flavor of the month. So that's, those are the kind I want at the end of my draft. Guys that I'm not super tied to, but guys that if they do hit and get early opportunity uh, could be flipped easily for uh, some value going forward. Ryan, you you had Daniel Jones and Jimmy G at quarterback. You, you added the running backs early and, and went on that wide receiver run that you talked about before grabbing those two tight ends in, in the mid-rounds, really, with Goddard and Ido Smith. I imagine you like how your team 
came together. If if yours continued, what kind of players are you adding, and uh, what else what else are you doing throughout the rest of your startup to to kind of continue the trend of this youth? Yeah, I would I would continue to add the youth, especially kind of in those next rounds, sixteen, seventeen. Um, but we're also seeing. Uh, veterans in that range so uh, again if if I'm in if I'm at that point in the draft I feel like uh, I could have a a contender even with uh, even with my build around young players it's an easy pivot beyond round 15 because you you have players that some of the players that have already been mentioned Uh, but at quarterback with Daniel Jones and Garoppolo uh, I, I could add Brady I could add Breeze and both of those guys in round 17 same thing at tight end, Goddard and Irv. Uh, Jared Cook is is going, I believe, in round 16, so he would be an option. Jack Doyle in round 16 as well. With this team, uh, honestly, I really do like it. If this was uh, what I was, what I what I had going into round uh, 16, I probably would grab some of those veterans and see if I could uh, steal a playoff spot or or even better in year one. Yeah, really, you're you're only hoping that one or two of those young players that you're not really depending on, but hoping for, if they hit, it could be a true contender, a championship-style contender, because you have so many playmakers throughout your roster. I, I continue to echo what you guys talked about. Lots of youth, sprinkle in the veterans, the guys that could help you immediately. But but there were some values beyond round 15. Some of those young guys that you see taken in rookie drafts in round three and even round four, because this rookie class is so deep, There there's a lot of those guys in round 16 through 25 that could fit into that youth build and, and continue to add long-term upside. Uh, guys, before we get out of here, I got to know, what what's the biggest thing you took away, Ryan, from doing this exercise? I know we talked at the beginning about this being fun and, and really kind of a way to talk about team building without doing the, the, the standard strategy episode. What's the thing that throughout this exercise you took away that, that will help you build teams in the future? I think for me, it was just identifying dead spots and hot spots in the draft. There were certain rounds where uh, it was a hard choice. I wanted h- half the players in the round. And, and obviously, if I'm preparing for a startup draft, those are the rounds where I would want to uh, try to trade into and, and acquire multiple picks. And, and certainly there were dead spots where it was tough to choose a player. Uh, round four was one of those I, I ultimately went with. Uh, Terry McLaurin, but um, I'm sorry, he was around five, but actually he was 5.01. So in a lot of drafts, he's not going to fall to that fifth round. And and the rest of the fifth round, for the most part, were not players I would necessarily target. So um, if I'm, again, preparing for a startup draft, I might try to move that fifth rounder up into the third or fourth. Matt, how about you? Anything that you, you really took away from the exercise that could help you in your next startup? I kind of rec- echo what Ryan says, to be honest with you. I was looking for those hot spots and dead spots as well and, and kind of identifying targets, uh, you know, kind of clusters of players, clusters of targets that I'm interested in and acquiring and then uh, uh, trying to trying to figure out how to take multiple of those players in there. So uh, I, I agree with Ryan. Fifth round was kind of a dead zone. I took Debo, but I'm not 
I'm not super excited about him there. Um, fourth round, I thought was good. DK, I was I was very happy with in the fourth round, but I agree with Ryan in the fifth round. Uh, and then the sixth round, too, I had like maybe one or two targets. So uh, I think it's a really good idea, uh, way to I kind of identify, you know, where you can place your draft capital. If you've got to move future picks, if you've got to move, you know, a ton of later picks to move up, I, I think it's willing it's 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 it's. Uh, a good thing to do that if you're willing to kind of give up that later capital to get into those some of those earlier rounds to kind of make your roster a little bit more top heavy and i think a bonus bonus uh uh, a bonus thing of, of doing that is that is that it kind of helps you with le- weekly lineup decisions too. If you kind of have those, those, those kind of top heavy teams, it's pretty easy to click seven or eight of the check marks and just fill in those flexes at the end there. So um, like Ryan, I was just kind of identifying areas of the draft where I wanted to be and where I didn't want to be. Matt, I got to say, you did a great job identifying it. Getting two second round picks, <laughs> solid. Just to pile on a little bit more. That joke never ends. It's right? a home league. It's a home league. <laughs> Well, it was a lot of fun, guys. We we did identify a lot of lot of hot zones and a lot of maybe weaker zones. Uh, Matt, I know you you dipped even farther into the draft. You didn't, like I said, you didn't take uh, all those top fifteen rounds. You went into sixteen and seventeen. So there were you you showed that there were some dead spots. You liked the value later in the draft. I did a little bit of the same as well. Guys, this was fun. It was it was a lot of fun, really. We should we should do it again next week. What do you say we we do it with Superflex and and continue continue the fun? That sounds I like that idea. Sounds pretty good, Dan. Yeah, sounds great. So if you're a Superflex owner and didn't get get enough out of this episode, tune again tune in again next week. We're gonna we're gonna do the same thing with Superflex, but maybe we'll do it, fellas. That you can't take the same players that you took this week. It'll give us all an opportunity to talk about our, our, our second favorite player in the first round. So Matt, you you won't be able to take CMC in round one. What do you say? I I guess that's fair, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So many rules. So many rules. I'm just taking him in round two. That's right. That's that's where I would get him. I mean, Guys, before we get out of here, we got to talk about our friends over at dynastyowner.com. Do you think you're smarter than the NFL GMs out there? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner is your only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for the smart, elite fantasy football player. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, and every contract matters. Come do a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL players' salaries and contracts. Then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. All of this is over at DynastyOwner.com. Go check it out. There are mock drafts open now. Learn more and draft for free at www.dynastyowner.com. Guys, again, lots of fun. We're going to do it again next week. We're going to talk a little bit about the super flex angle of this with the twist of not taking the same players we did this week. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.